Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I would be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach you, put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me, at Jim Kramer. If you want to know the true state of the economy, stop fretting about the aggregate data, the so-called macro, and start listening to individual companies when they report their quarters. On a day where the Dow backslid 173 points, S&P lost 0.79%, NASDAQ shed 0.68% because Treasury yields continue to sink, and the president tarified the market. You don't know the term tarified? You better get used to it. Others were focused on tarification. Me, I was focused on Home Depot. Why? Because when I'm trying to take the pulse of the consumer during an era where we're all tarified, Home Depot gives me a much better read than I get from, say, the bond market or from any talking head who comes on TV. Home Depot has all sorts of insights that you simply can't get from staring at the yield curve. And right now, the despot says the consumer, all systems go. After listening to the company's blockbuster earnings call this morning, the idea that we're headed into a recession seems like something from a parallel universe. According to Home Depot, things are strong and getting stronger, not weaker. But there's some issues. Why should you trust Home Depot? Well, I'll give you a simple reason. I'll give you two words. I'll give you Carol Tomei, the despot's longtime chief financial officer who's retiring after 24 years at the company. It was her last conference call. Carol Tomei is money. Now, we spend a huge amount of time interviewing Federal Reserve officials going to, like, I don't know, Grand Tetons or something, hedge fund managers talking their books or strategists who keep trying to keep their salespeople busy. But Carol Tomei has a better track record than any of them. And she has much less of an agenda, if an agenda at all. In Tomei, we trust she should be Fed chief. So what does the great Carol Tomei have to say on her last conference call? Let's go right to this morning's conference. Let's go right to this transcript, which helped propel the stock nine points, even as the clueless headline writers who were trying to be out there so quick called the quarter a big miss one nanosecond after the release dropped. Here she goes, and I quote, While global economic pessimism has increased due to geopolitics, currently the U.S. consumer remains healthy. Consumer confidence is near record high levels, and wages are up over 3% from last year. Hey, you know what? That sounds good. Here's the problem, though. The U.S. consumer is facing the impact of tariffs. While trade discussions are fluid, consumer demand could be impacted. That's bad. There. That is the current dilemma in a nutshell. The consumer is doing well. But the trade war with China is making people lose confidence. Something, by the way, that crushed the stock of Kohl's this very same morning. 
way bad overreaction. But Michelle Goss will explain that to us, I'm sure. Still, Tomei tells us not to worry too much. Quote, we are in the longest economic recovery in our nation's history, and yet the amount of growth during this recovery is still under the average of every other recovery in history. So this is one of the reasons why it's been an elongated cycle, end quote. To me, well, you know what that means? It means there's, there's still plenty of room for the Fed to cut interest rates, like the president says. Because throughout the call, Tomei kept bringing up deflationary pressures in the economy. If there's deflation like there is in lumber, like there are in so many other quantities, the Fed has every reason to keep cutting. Put it all together, it sure seems like the Fed should be able to deal with any potential weakness that comes our way. But the tariffs are a looming factor that I felt after listening to Tomei could derail us. Still, Home Depot made it clear that we're winning the trade war. As Edward Decker, the executive vice president of merchandising, tells us, and I quote, I'm not aware of a single supplier who is not moving some form of manufacturing outside of China. So we have suppliers moving production to Taiwan, to Vietnam, Thailand, to Indonesia, and even back to the United States, end quote. All of these changes will help cushion the blow to Home Depot's same-store sales. They only expect a, a 1% hit on this. Now, it seems to me that this would be the perfect time to make a deal with the Chinese. They need it more than we do. And I say this as a big supporter of the president's tariffs. That's right. You know I support them. But the last thing any president wants is a trade war-related recession as we head into an election year. If I were President Trump, I would heed Home Depot's call and recognize this usually important industry is at risk from the tariffs. Right at the moment when I'm sure the Chinese government would love a reprieve from the trade war because it's causing all this manufacturing exodus. That's why after listening to this conference call, I think it's time to go back to the negotiating table. I want the president to listen to this call. I want Peter Navarro to listen to this call. Secretary Mnuchin to listen to this call. It's really important. Remember, Carol Tomei, she has no agenda. She's not talking about the inverted yield curve, other than in a positive way because it makes mortgages a lot more affordable. She's not bashing the Fed, even if she acknowledges that our recovery from the Great Recession has been pretty anemic with several deflation and several key categories like lumber and paint. Tomei's making it clear that we're vulnerable to a downturn in confidence in the most robust portion of our economy. More importantly, as she always teaches me, housing punches above its weight in the economy. When you're trying to sell your house or when you buy one, you'll probably hire a contractor to fix it up. We don't want these contractors, huge Home Depot uh, customers, to get cold feet because of tariff wars. These fears dominated the question and answer session, as they did with the Coles, by the way. And at the end of the call, they, well, I, I was just, I said, darn it. I want this trade war, but I don't want to trade. I don't want it to destroy both sides. Home Depot called out tools and appliances as especially strong. Uh, Decor, storage, indoor garden, building materials, paint, outdoor garden, hardware, and plumbing. They were all robust. Everything on that list, say building materials, could be impacted by the tariffs. Or to put it another way, if I were a sitting president a little more than a year away from an election, I wouldn't want to tip over the Home Depot wheelbarrow. Just screaming at Fed Chief Jay Powell for rate cuts may not be enough especially when Home Depot execs seem to be implying that the tariffs are what's weighing on people. And the president said this afternoon, hey, listen, we're going to have a rough patch, but we have to do this. Now's the time. I've agreed with that. But I'm, I, 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 I am concerned after this conference call. I'm not worried about Home Depot during a slowdown, though, because the company is so darn clever. Low interest rates, they use them to refinance their balance sheet. Digital, their web business is growing at 20%, but still only represents 8.9% of the total. That's plenty of room for you know, improvement. However, it's more complicated than that. Uh, listening to CEO Craig Muneer, who's so smart, 
while our stores remain the hub of our business, we know that many of our in-store sales are influenced by online visits, and approximately 50% of all online U.S. orders were picked up in our stores during the quarter, end quote. That's, te- that's telling. If you're a mom-and-pop hardware store, how do you compete with that? Even Lowe's is having trouble adjusting. They're losing professional contracting tractors to Home Depot. Why? In part because the Despot's digitizing every aspect of its stores, from price levels to search capabilities and site functionality, all of which gave the sales a real boost. Plus, with the newest fulfillment center, they can now offer one-day delivery to half the country. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. How can we make a judgment about the whole economy just by looking at one company, Home Depot? But it's about a lot more than Home Depot. Walmart reported an amazing quarter last week. They just didn't give us the same level of granularity on the call. Granularity that indicated the quarter got better as it went. Amazon delivered fantastic results, as did Costco. Tomorrow we hear from Target, which puts the T in my watch acronym. And while it might not be as strong as the others, it's done amazing things to digitize this business and take share by opening stores with new formats. The bottom line. Home Depot is the perfect microcosm for the U.S. economy, and its outgoing CFO, Carol Tomei, is an honest broker. We wish her congratulations and all the luck in the world. She tells us the consumer's in great shape now, but suggests we could be derailed by the trade war. As someone who's always been in favor of cracking down on China, like the president, I think we still need to take her concerns to heart. And I hope the president takes this opportunity to make a deal while the Chinese are feeling the pain from our tariffs but before we're getting the full impact on our side of the aisle. Let's go to Charlie in Europe, please. Charlie. Oh, yeah, Jim. Thank you for having my call. I love watching your show. It gives me so much valuable information. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. My question today is about Foot Locker. You know, last time after earning report, it went down 30%, but the retail consumer spend is up this quarter. Foot Locker, the management, they're doing everything that they could, you know, moving out of the malls. So my question is now with the low stock price, what do you think? I know, yields about 4%, but that has not stopped these mall-based stocks from going lower. Look at Macy's, look at Kohl's. I am uh, concerned that yield is no longer protecting any mall denizens. Let's go to Doug in New York, please, Doug. Hi, how you doing? Good, Doug. How are you? Love, love your show. I love your enthusiasm. Thank you. Okay, and I just want to say a shout-out to my mother. Why not? I'll do the same. Well, that takes a... That's a... Boy, that big megaphone. Go ahead. Okay, I just want to know about what you think about Beyond Meat. I have two different views of Beyond Meat. I think the company is really good. I think the stock got away from... Uh, what the company, the, the stock is, it's going to take a long time for the company to grow in that market cap. So therefore, I think that therefore you have to be careful, particularly because there's like a half dozen more beef companies that are faux beef coming to market. But I happen to like Beyond, and I think that the management there is excellent. How about Anthony, New Jersey? Anthony. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Pretty good, thank you. How about you? Not bad, not bad. That's good. So I was, I was calling today. I want to get your opinion on BlackBerry. I, uh, Oh, I invested boy. in them a couple years ago. I know, but everyone likes the intellectual property component. Everybody thinks that it's worth a great deal of money, but it doesn't have growth. And we like growth in Kramerica, period. End of story. Richard in Montana, please. Richard. Richard! Hi, Jim. A big sky country booyah to you and your staff. Can't get better than that. My wife loved biking in Montana. Missoula, what's up? Uh, my stock is AbbVie. 
Um, what do you think of their recent acquisition? Jordan, I've got to tell you, I've been working all day with my buddy Gabe today, and you know what? I think AbbVie's bottomed. I think AbbVie's right. I think the acquisition's good. I'm going to give you two for it. I actually think that Bristol-Myers is bottomed because it's LG. I was going to do a piece about this tomorrow, but now I just gave away the whole darn thing, and I don't feel it. Anyway, I like it. Okay. Uh, if you look at what companies say about the strength of the economy, you get a best view of the con- consumer. If you take a look at Home Depot, yes, what recession? But you also think, let's be careful. Well, man, buddy, tell you, what Estee Lauder CEO Fabrizio Freda and five-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady, well, actually more of a coach, have in common. Then, uh, with news that ISC may spin off Match Group and Angie Home Services, I'll tell you if it's worth investing in. And it's a stock that's up about... 500% in the past years, and it may not be on your radar, and it may not be too late to buy. I'll tell you the name and see if the move can continue. So stay with Cal Tomei and stay with Craig. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day, clearly and concisely, in context and with perspective, and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today. Suddenly the slow growth stories are getting hammered. Stocks like McCormick, one of my absolute favorites, the spice company, was down seven points in one session through no fault of its own. Because now that we've survived the inversion, too many investors assume we're right back in boomtown. I get it. McCormick, well, it's the ultimate stay at home, don't go out, let's cook story. You buy McCormick when you think there's going to be a recession. Same goes for an off-price retailer like TJX, who reported today. When Macy's tells us that they had excess inventory and they had to chop it out, well, who do you think buys that merchandise? Alphas like TGX, they come in and pick it up for a fraction of its list price, cash. I know their latest quarter was considered uh, weaker uh, by many, at least at the opening. Stocks sold off. But, uh, but because investors figured a recession was off the table. So the fact that TGX managed to rebound this afternoon was not necessarily a good sign. Even though these two companies are going to make a lot of money off their core businesses, their stocks immediately fell out of fashion in the uh, Wall Street fashion show when people stop worrying about a recession. They'll rebound the moment we get some soft macro data, the yield curve invests, inverts again. Yeah, but if we, let's say we get a, a weak uh, jobless claims number. Uh, I expect the money to rotate right back into these slowdown stocks. I think trying to profit from these day-to-day rotations, though, when I first started the show, I tried to get you in and out. You know what? I know better than that. Now it's a fool's game. I like McCormick, good company. I like TGF, good company. End of story. But you know what I love? I love Estee Lauder. It's a company that takes risks, that out-executes the competition, that is defying gravity in any environment. McCormick and TGX are doing exactly what they're supposed to do, exactly what they know. They're always going to make the playoffs, but they'll never make the championship. Estee Lauder, they're trying to win the Super Bowl. Their CEO, Fabrizio Freda, is the Bill Belichick of the cosmetics business. Not that long ago, Estee Lauder relied heavily on U.S. department stores. They made up roughly a third of the business. Back then, they knew brick and mortar was the place to be. 
Now, though, Fred has realized that many of the potential buyers for prestige makeup don't go to department stores anymore. They don't even go to the mall. They go online or they go to Ulta Beauty, which is now one of the hottest channels for Estee Lauder. Uh, so we pivoted. Stop depending on those no-growth outlets for growth. Meanwhile, Freighter painstakingly goes on the road to talk to young people all over the globe, especially in China. Yeah, to figure out what they like. He has hero brands that he can sell the world over. That's why I love the stock of Estee Lauder. But it's a slowdown stock to some degree because it does become more attractive as the economy gets weaker. So uh, what do you do? I think it's crazy to switch back and forth between the slowdown stocks and the more cyclical compatriots. That's something only hedge funds can get away with. As a home gamer, though, you're better off not trying to game these rotations. Find the stocks of high-quality companies where management has figured out the competitive landscape and knows how to take risks rather than being outmoded. Estee Lauder is a prime example. If you were Fabrizio Freda, it would have been so easy to say, well, you know, our earnings were hurt. Well, because traffic was down at Macy's or it was off at Bonton, the you know, defunct chain. Uh, you know, people actually do that on calls. They say, listen, it's not my fault. It's Macy's. Wait a second. Or it would have been easy to blame the Hong Kong protests for hurting one of their key showcases. But Freda didn't go there. He doesn't do that. He doesn't make excuses. He saw the problems coming. He avoided them. It's not that he's got some sort of crystal ball. His team just recognized buying patterns and used them to figure out where the company was most likely to be challenged. He's got AI on his, on his team, too. Now, I have to tell you, Freda is a horizontal guy. He listens to everybody. Do you know I have a reverse mentoring program where literally the younger people have to be your boss if you're older for a couple of days? Ouch! But it makes sense. He's the Bill Belichick of cosmetics. He gets the job done. He does his assignment. Estee Lauder is the stock market equivalent of the Patriots. And that's how a company that sells the ultimate in discretionary goods can thrive in an environment that everybody else is whining about. No wonder the stock surged from $179 to 201 yesterday and 1.206 today. They deserve every penny of that move. And Freda doesn't just have hero brands. He is a heroic, risk-taking CEO. Stick with Craig. you safely circle the wagons around in what I regard as really a manic, depressive market. That veers wildly from deep despair about a potential recession to euphoria that everything's really going to be fine if the Fed cuts rates. You want to find stocks that work either way. That's a theme of tonight's show. Which brings me to IAC Interactive Corp. And that's Barry Diller's conglomerate of media, information, and technology businesses, with a stock that's up 38% for the year, hitting a new all-time high earlier this month in the wake of a stellar quarter. Now, I've been recommending IAC for ages, but I want to pound the table once again tonight, because this is exactly the kind of secular growth story that doesn't need the economy to do better that you can count on in an uncertain environment. Remember, the story is very simple. Actually, it's as easy as one, two, three. Within the last few years, IAC has taken two of its subsidiary companies public. Match Group, the online dating company that owns Tinder, Match.com, and OkCupid, as well as Angie Home Services, which owns Angie's List and Home Advisor. Both essential sites if you want to do any remodeling. When you add up the value of IAC's stakes in Match and its stake in Angie, what you find is you're basically getting the rest of IAC, which is quite valuable, for free. That's been our thesis here, and so far it's worked out fabulously. The stock's up 138% since I first started pushing aggressively in June of 2017 because I saw the bizarre disparity among the pieces. It made no sense to me. 
Because it didn't. However, when the company reported a couple of weeks ago, management announced that they were thinking about selling the rest of their holdings in Match and Angie, looking for ways to maximize value. We don't know what they're going to do right now. They're just considering their options. But it made us want to sharpen our pencils and check out the math on IAC to make sure we're still getting a bargain with the stock. First, though, let me catch you up on what's happened here. For those of you who don't remember, IAC is a house of digital brands put together by the legendary Barry Diller, the company's former CEO and current chairman, whom I have met. And let me just tell you something. I met him in 1979. He didn't remember him when I saw him again, but man, is he smart. Uh, they uh, own Ask.com, Dictionary.com, DotDash, Vimeo, and The Daily Beast, along with many other brands that you use that you don't even know they own, although Match Group and Angie Home Services account for two-thirds of the company's sales. The thing about IAC is that these guys are masters of taking little digital brands, then growing them big, blowing them out, and then monetizing it. Expedia, Barry Diller. Ticketmaster, Barry Diller. He and his team have created a massive amount of value over the years. Roughly a year ago, I came out here to take a victory lap on our earlier recommendation, but I also pointed out that IAC had become a no-brainer. And by the way, I I banned that term from Mad Money. I don't use the term, but I'm using it here. At the time, their stake in Match Group was worth $10.5 billion. Their stake in Angie Home Services was worth $8.3 billion. So let's see, add those two up, you got nearly $19 billion, right, from just those two assets. But IAC itself was only valued at $15.5 billion. You were literally getting the rest of the businesses for less than nothing. It's like that great line from Kramer fave classic, The Warriors. Can you count suckers? Because if the future, it, because the future is ours, if you can count. Remember that? Remember? Didn't see it? It's pretty good. You ought to check it. All right. Anyway, at the time, the stock was at 185. Now it's at 253. Turns out the basic arithmetic can be pretty useful in this business. It's not often that the market gives you an opportunity that's obvious, but when it does, then you've got to grab it. Of course, you would have done even better if you just owned Match Group because their online dating apps have taken the world by storm. Still, I view IC as the less risky way to play this turbocharged growth story. Match's stock could stagnate, and IC would still be able to go higher because it would deserve to go higher. Plus, the whole IC family is doing great. Two weeks ago, the company delivered a huge 23-cent earnings beat off the 96-cent basis, higher than expected sales, up 12% year-over-year. Once again, Match Group put up some fabulous numbers. Tinder subscribers rose to more than 5 million. That is up from 1.5 million versus last year. Up 1.5 million. I mean, boy, people really must like to meet each other. Isn't that what hookup means? When you drill down while Match is IAC's biggest division, it's not the fastest growing. Vimeo, their online video platform, sold 26% sales growth. You use that every day, right? DotDash was up 23%. Mosaic Group, their mobile and business, is on fire. Angie Home Services, meanwhile, actually had some execution issues, including crucial mistakes with how they manage traffic from Google. We saw that happen with Yelp. It happens all the time. Both their sales and earnings came in late. As IAC's CEO, Joey Levin, who came on the show and I loved, put it, I believe our recent issue was as much tripping over our own feet as it was changes in Google's ecosystem. The man is humble. That's another thing I like. When these guys make a mistake, they're not afraid to admit it. Change, they'll change strategy. Now, Angie's stock was devastated. It was down 25% in a single session. It's continued to fall since then. At this point, Angie is down 48% for the year. And there are some real issues that are weighing on the parent company, even if the strength at Match Group is more than enough to offset them. That's the context you need to be aware of when you consider that IAC is talking about potentially doing a full spinoff for either or both of these companies. Again, though, as, as Levin put it, we sincerely haven't yet decided what's 
best. Although he acknowledges that Match seems like a more obvious candidate for a full spinoff after Angie's uh, value destruction. I would agree. So does the mass still check out? When we started recommending IAC for trading at a discount to its subsidiaries, it seemed like a slam dunk for investors, and it was. But the longer this goes on, the more frustrated you can imagine IAC's management's getting. Their market value market values their business at less than zero, and nothing they seem to to do can close that gap, even as the stock keeps roaring higher. So on every uh, conference call, Joey Levin ex- implores investors to look at these sum of the parts numbers. I'm going to do some mad money arithmetic, okay? Mad math. All right, mad math. It, it, to me, like when you're adding and subtracting and dividing, is, that's arithmetic. But the, anyway, I didn't want to take calculus. I would ruin my... Calculus would have ruined my transcript. I knew better than that. All right. But this is what's called alliteration. Mad math review. Okay. On the latest call, IFC gave us some important details. The company owns 226 million shares of Match. They own 422 million shares of Angie Home Services. That Match Group stake is worth $18.7 billion. As for Angie, even with that hideous decline, IFC's position is worth $3.5 billion. Together, these two investments are worth $22.8 billion. With me? Okay. Well, that's puzzling, right? Because IFC itself is only a market capitalization of $21.3 billion. It's pretty simple, right? Let me put it this way. If IAC were merely a holding company that only owned these two businesses, its stock would be worth $264 a share. Yet it's got a host of other businesses, a business with genuine value, and it's only trading at $253. And let's not forget, as Barron's pointed out in its profile this weekend, IAC's got a billion dollars in net cash sitting on its balance sheet. Even if you don't care about Vimeo or DotDash, and I do, especially DotDash is very good, or any of the other divisions, you're getting a billion dollars for free here. And look, IAC has recently made a series of enticing acquisitions and investments. Magisto uh, bolstered its video business and invested. They, but the one I'm really focused on that I think is just worth a hell of a lot more than they paid, Turo, T-U-R-O. This is a car sharing app that they paid $250 million for. Turo basically lets you rent out your car to other drivers. Isn't that brilliant? Maybe the next big thing when it comes to our shared economy. Yet IC stock still trades like it's stuff is garbage. I think that's lunacy. So I can understand why management is considering a full spinoff of both Match Group and Angie Home Services. Maybe the only way for IAC stock to really reflect the reality of what Barry Diller's put together. The bottom line. Oh, I think IAC is still terrific. I believe they can turn around Angie Home Services. They seem to have a good handle on what went wrong last quarter. And I wouldn't be alarmed at all by the spinoff talk. That's just what IAC does, and they're very good at it. But the key here is simple. As long as IAC stock is worth less than the sum of its parts, it's a screaming buy. We're going to go to Kyle in Illinois. Kyle! Hi, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course, Kyle. How are you? Good. So um, my stock pick is is Redfin. Um, I've been watching it for a while. I own a little bit, and I'm looking to add. um, But I've been hesitant because of what the market's doing lately. What's your opinion? Well, you know, Toll Brothers just reported a quarter that was good, but the orders weren't that good. Um, Home Depot had some good things to say about housing, but in the end, residential real estate... Stay away. All right. IC stock is worth less than the sum of its parts. Therefore, I remain cons- uh, convinced that it is a screaming buy. Uh, there's much more made money. How little known company is competing against the likes of Salesforce and Microsoft and winning? I'll reveal the name just ahead. Then, it's been a volatile few weeks for this market. So how is your portfolio positioned to fight the unknowns like the, the terrible close today? 
I'll be the judge of tonight's MI Diversify. And the way calls rapid fire tonight's system of the lightning round. So stay with Kramer. In an uncertain environment, we're always on the hunt for growth stocks that can transcend a worldwide slowdown. That's why tonight I want to talk to you about the little business analytics stock that could. That's right. No, this isn't Okta. Anyway, we know many of the cloud plays were laid low by the market-wide sell-off, and most of them haven't really been able to recover. Oh, but there's one that I like so much that I just said, you know what? Downer day, terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. I like a co- company called Alterix, AYX. It's a cloud-based data analytics company with a stock that has been on fire. Look at this thing. This is up 128% for the year. It almost made a new all-time high today and a real downer day. I've been waiting for a pullback before circling back on this one. I've wanted to talk to you about Alterix forever, but it has steadfastly refused to give us any kind of dip where I could talk about this on the show. Nothing. The stock just keeps roaring. So tonight I'm done waiting. I've had it. Thrown in the towel. Alderix has run so much that I'm not sure that you should necessarily buy it up here. It's only for the bravest of speculators at these levels. But I do think it's worth putting on your shopping list. And I need you to know about this thing because this may be the best one of the ones that people don't understand, don't know, but just buy. When Alderix came public in March of 2017, the stock initially didn't garner much attention. Those were always the best kind. The IPO priced at 14 bucks. I recommended a few days later at 15 and change because I found out what they did. And I said, it can't be. This sound is too good to be true. It's now at $135. This thing is up one. This is up 760%. 760%. That's an incredible run. And it really rewarded anyone who was willing to take a chance and speculate on a small cap software as a service stock back before the whole sector had gotten smoking hot. Now, there are a lot of companies in the business intelligence slash data analytics space. We talk about them all the time. Remember, Salesforce is in the process of buying Tableau software symbol data. That's one of our cloud princes. Google acquired Looker, a privately held business intelligence platform. So what sets Alteryx apart? From the very beginning, they've had a straightforward gimmick, so to speak. Their platform makes it easy for companies to prepare and analyze data from multiple sources. So in the past, if you wanted to use a data analytics tool, it required multiple steps by multiple different people in your organization. Really time-consuming. First, one team has to prepare the data so the software can make sense of it. Then another person or team does the analysis. Alderix takes this fragmented process and combines it into a cohesive experience that lets a single user platform or user perform all the tasks that used to require an entire team. I, I got to tell you, I got young people who do, who've used this thing, and like they're replacing 10 people. They know how to use Alteryx. It's like a language for them. Like so many of these cloud-based software plays, it saves other companies on labor costs, and it makes the whole data analytics process more accessible. Talk about a way to keep wage prices down. Back in March, we had the privilege to speak to Alteryx's CEO, Dean Stoker, and he told a very compelling story. There's an explosion in demand for data analytics. It's being used everywhere. The same platform Alteryx sells to banks uh, to model derivatives is being used by retailers to figure out omnichannel. And by the Dallas Cowboys... 
I will never draft a cowboy. And the Green Bay Packers for on-field player analytics. They've got huge clients in the software space, too. Think Atlassian and all of our faves, Dropbox, Oracle, Salesforce, even Tableau. You'd think Tableau would be a competitor, right? But Stoker explained that they're not really in the same business. According to him, a company like Tableau deals in the lowest value point in analytics. They help make the stuff intelligible to humans. Althrix, on the other hand, has a pipeline that lets you deploy machine learning algorithms without writing any code. It sounds like you could augment or get this even obviate Excel. So where exactly does Althrix's platform fall within a particular organization? You know what? I'm going to let Stoker flesh this out for you. We, we are agnostic to any of the persistence layers that house this information. Big data, little data, structured, unstructured, data in the cloud or on the ground. We don't care where the data is coming from. It can be coming from sources like New Relic or Splunk or, or Oracle or, or, or Tableau. And we also don't con, uh, con, uh, care about the consumption layer at the top of the stack. It could be any consumption layer. It could be uh, visualization. It could be machine learning algorithms being deployed onto Salesforce. We make it drop dead easy to go from any data to any outcome anywhere on Earth. That's incredible. It works with everyone. It synthesizes it. It makes you much smarter. That's a pretty compelling pitch. It's been less than six months since that interview where I praised the thing to the skies, and the stock is nearly double, running from $68 to 135 I mean, this you know, comes on. I, I didn't really understand, to be honest, what they did until he came on the show. It was confusing to me because I'm not a data programmer, but it made sense after he was done. So we have to ask, how does something like Alderx almost double during a pretty tumultuous period for the averages? Let's not overthink this. The stock's been unstoppable because the earnings are fantastic. At the beginning of May, Alderx delivered a blowout. The company posted a huge top and bottom line beat. They earned four cents a share when they've been forecasting at best an eight cent loss. Yes, this company, unlike so many of the high five, it makes money. Their sales grew at a 51% clip. The customer count is up 35% for the year. Then three weeks ago, Alteryx did it again. The, the company's revenue growth accelerated, actually accelerated to 59%. Their customer count increased by 34%. Gross profit was up 57%. Their dollar-based net expansion rate, which is wh- whether they're adding or losing businesses from old customers, came in 133%, meaning they're winning lots of additional business. That quarter propelled the stock from 119 and, uh, to 131 in a single day. And as you can notice, it has not looked back. I waited. See, I was going to do the piece here. I thought that maybe the stock would sell off because it had been up so much. But it, instead, it spiked up and hasn't looked back. Well, Wall Street loves accelerating revenue growth. We call it ARG on the show. And Alteryx still has still got it. Wall Street also loves surprise profits. We've seen investors pay astronomical sums for some recent IPOs with sky-high growth rates. But most of those companies are losing money, losing money, often massive amounts of money. Think Uber. Alteryx can deliver both terrific growth and positive earnings. What else? The stock got a big boost thanks to these recent analytics acquisitions, especially Salesforce's purchase of Tableau. Big, well-run companies with deep pockets seem to believe that similar companies are worth paying up for. And I find the idea that actors could be a takeover target. I was going to say totally reasonable, but let's just say reasonable because it is it's an expensive stock. OK, the, the other thing is that for most of this year, enterprise software has been the only game in town for month after month. These cloud based software stocks were unstoppable. However, in the past few weeks, many of these cloud stocks have fallen off a cliff. But Alteryx keeps chugging its way higher. Really, I think it's about the power of the secular growth story. All sorts of companies are finally waking up to the value of their own data and deciding that they should, you know, do something with it. 
As enterprises use more and more technology, they produce ever-increasing amounts of digital information. The other thing, as Altrix's CFO told the streets Eric Johnson last week, with so many cloud software options available, the average firm is using about 60 different applications. So any analytic modeling will make use of at least a half dozen different data sources. That is Altrix's sweet spot. The question is, can you really justify buying the stock up here right now? It trades at nearly at roughly 17 times, not earnings, but sales. That's incredibly expensive, although it seems more reasonable when you compare it to the valuation of this year's crop of IPOs. Now, I've liked this one all the way up, but if you bought Altrex to my recommendation at this point, I, I, I got to tell you, I don't even mind if you take some off the table. Let me give you the bottom line for this juggernaut, maybe the best juggernaut of the software stocks this year, okay? Altrix remains a great story. I have a hard time telling you to put new money to work at these levels, but you should absolutely put it on your shopping list. Hopefully, it will pull back the next time everyone freaks out about the yield curve or the trade war, and then you can pounce at a more reasonable price. I thought that it was only worth owning index funds. I was wrong. That money's back after the break. And then the lightning rounds over. Are you ready? Skating down over the lightning rounds over. I'm going to start with Jim in Illinois. Jim! Thanks for taking my call, Jim. Uh, my course, question Jim. is on ticker symbol BGS. Um, when they announced earnings on August 1st, they beat on both top and bottom line. Also raised full-year expectations. Yet the stock is down 35%. Yeah, people, just feel, people are gunning for these guys. They actually think that they can't even cover the dividend. Uh, I have to tell you, I am very concerned. I think the stock used to be a great stock and does a lot of stuff that is private label, but it's not working. And therefore, I say be careful. I need to go to Mike in New Jersey. Mike, Mike, Mike. Julia, Jim. How are you doing today? Ah, doing well. How about you? Good. I have uh, the Yale Therapeutics. I have two questions. The call sign is EGIX. Oh, man, that is so speculative. It's very speculative. The biopharma company, you know, look, I, there's one. This is one of you ask me what worries me about the market. It's not just tariffs. It's like these biotech companies that keep hitting highs that I know aren't, aren't making money and need to raise money. Or if they don't need to raise money, they don't have any chance of making money anytime future. Let's go to Renato in Florida. Renato. Hey, booyah, Jim. Thank booyah. you for taking my call. Booyah. I've been a long time follower. I've been following you since the days of Cudlow and Kramer. Oh, my. They were trashing me on Twitter today because of because they said that I actually am friendly with Larry. Holy cow. Oh, guilty. Go ahead. Uh, Jim, I'm looking at a stock that's called Select Medical Holdings. Yeah, that's rehab. That's rehab. I kind of like that company. Uh, I think that that rehab business is... uh, that is an undervalued situation. I like it very much. Let's go to Tom in Florida. Tom. Jimmy boy, how you doing? Pretty good, thank you. How about, how about you there, Tom? Good. What do you think about MedPace, M-E-D-P? The stock went up almost 30% yeah, in a I month. Look at, I mean, this is yeah. a profitable company. I don't want to, so I don't want to say take profits because I don't understand that big bump up. I need to do homework. And you go to Stan in California. Stan! Booyah, Jim. Booyah. Greatly appreciate your expertise. I've noted that Okata, O-K-T-A, has softened a bit before today. 
and management has sold some of their holdings. It's is true. Is it buy is, more, hold, or sell? It's Todd McKinnon. This is a company that's been one of the greatest companies of all time. I know that we actually went into the, I went into the Okta building because my daughter was so impressed with Okta that I actually thought she wanted to work there, for heaven's sake. But she's now teaching in Spain, so don't worry about it. Uh, I think Okta's real good. It's too hot right now. Let it come in a little. I mean, it was up, what was up, like six points today? I mean, Okta is just, what can I say? It's part of the IDK ETF that I'm putting together, which stands for I don't know. All right, let's go to Pete in Texas, please. Pete. Hey, Jim. Stephen Carroll from Austin, Texas. Thank you for taking my call. Quite welcome. I, uh, I'd like your thoughts on Canada Growth, please. Uh, they had some stunning issues. Uh, got that was a terrible and- quarter. Yeah. It was a terrible quarter. They still have a lot of money. Uh, I think they'll be fine. But Kronos has now eclipsed them in my mind, as has Afria, which is Erwin Simon's company, because that quarter was just... Wow. I mean, it was like blow away wow bad. It's like I like, wow. I I read it in the middle of the night. It was scary. And that, ladies and gentlemen, up the lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. As I said earlier in the show, we are being inundated with various data trying to make sense of the state of the economy. It's, it's making it easy for investors to lose confidence in this market. I don't blame you. Emotional investing has taken over. It's created an uncertain environment. And when uncertainty is at the helm, it is even more important to make sure that you have crafted a diversified portfolio that makes you less seasick. seasick. You know what? We haven't done this in a while. That's why we play in my diversified. It's where you call me. You tell me your top five holders. I, I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, or maybe you need to mix it up a little. So let's start with at Damien Katz, okay? He says, booyah, at Jim Cramer, hashtag in my diversified. Bank of America, Bristol Myers, the Walt Disney Company, Uber, and Waste Management. Okay, Mr. Myers, we like that merger with Celgene Drug Company. Disney, whistleblower, please. Come on, entertainment company. Bank of America, fine bank. Waste management, just had Jim Fish on last week. We know what that is. I mean, that's just waste management. And Uber, oh, man, you got a little high risk there. But car share, we got a ride, what do you call it, a cab company. I know they don't want to hear that. Uh, trash, entertainment, trash, entertainment, I like that. Bank and drug, that is... Parfait, which is French for perfect. Okay, let's go to Paul in Texas, please. Paul. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Paul. Yeah, with all the turmoil in the market, I'm trying to see if I can go and diversify it and pick up a little bit of dividend that would be okay. Sounds logical. Okay, my stocks are F. Ford, F-U-N, Cedar Fair, G-S-K, GlaxoSmithKline, KSS tolls T A T and T. Jim, am I diversified? First, I want to say, how smart are our viewers? This man has put together a portfolio that probably yields five and change at a time when you're getting like nothing. Now, there are two of them I'm going to point out have are people think are dicey yields, which is Ford and ATT. ATT doesn't have that great a balance sheet. Ford has not done well enough that I think they should be paying that big a dividend. But Ford is auto. Cedar Fair, we just covered that yesterday. It's, uh, you know, it's a theme park. Generates a lot of cash. Glaxo, I really like what she's doing. That's Emma Walmsley, by the way. I think she's doing a terrific job. We like what she's got going. ATT, Randall Stevenson's got to reduce that debt, please. And Coles, can I just say that Michelle 
Goss did a much better job in that stock. Now, I'm talking my book. My chapel store says it. I've read through that conference call three times. That was just not worth being down that much. Department store, auto, entertainment, right, uh, theme park, drug, and telco. And nothing, just... What can I say? Hey, why don't we go to Bob in Indiana, please? Bob. Hi, Jim Kramer. Hey, Bob. Go ahead. Oh, you on my uh, list? Yeah, sure. AMD, AT&T, Target, MPW, Loco. Another interesting portfolio. A little bit of yield, a little bit of growth. I like that restaurant chain. Uh, REIT with good yield. And I think it is safe. Target reports tomorrow. Of course, obviously, uh, a, a discount chain. Uh, AMD, that's Lisa Sue doing a great job. Uh, and ATT, Randall Stevens, you got that another you know, five-plus yield. Telco, chip, retail, REIT, and restaurant. I think that fits the bill. Um, Paul Loco is a little speculative, by the way, just so we know. Okay, let's go to Brian in Michigan. Brian. Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Long time viewer, and I think this is about our sixth time talking. Oh, man. Long time, sixth time. Hey, um, I was wondering what you think about my top five. Okay. Okay, so I have Amazon, Mm -hmm. MasterCard. I got Boeing. Uh, I picked up AT&T and Apple. How do you like the way everyone's decided to like ATT? David Faber and I talk about that all the time. I'm a little worried about the balance sheet because they paid all that money for Time Warner, but they do have good cash flow. I just wish they paid down debt more aggressively. So we have Telco. We have Tech. We've got FinTech. Uh, we've got Amazon. Do I really? Let's just call it retail. And we've got aerospace problematic. We know that. But aerospace, retail, a credit card, well, it's a processor. Um, tech and telco, that's perfect. That works. These, some of these are very well-crafted portfolios. And notice we didn't have to do any surgery. Stick with Kramer. Tariff talk dominated every single retail call. And that is, other than the fact the president terrified us at the end of the day with his comments, the reason why the market turned down. I think the economy is strong, but I see what people are worried about. And I'm not going to ignore it, even as I believe in what the president wants to do, which is be tough. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. I'm trying to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Kramer, and I will see you tomorrow. I want people to feel like they just learned something. We have journalists in the far corners of the universe. I can't wait to get all of those resources under one hour-long newscast where we can deliver the facts of the day clearly and concisely in context and with perspective and tell people what's happening, what it all means. Get the truth, not the spin. The News with Shepard Smith. Subscribe to the podcast today.